Well, in 2013, I had the privilege of speaking at a leadership conference and, uh, in Cyprus, which is, if you're not sure, is situated in the Mediterranean, just off of the coast of the Middle East. In fact, it might be considered the Middle East, I'm not sure, but um, there we gathered uh, Christian leaders from Lebanon, Egypt, Syria, Jordan, and we threw into the mix Israel as well. And if that isn't an interesting mixture of Middle East characters and personalities, I'm not sure what is. So in 2013, I was doing some ministry for the John Maxwell organization and, and part of a cohort. I met Pastor Salim Shalash, who was there at this conference. I went back uh, several years later and did another conference, and uh, he was there again, and we became uh, increasingly uh, good friends and uh, kept in contact. And then last year, we took a group of about 45 people from Calvary, and we actually went to Nazareth, where his church is, home of Jesus the King Church in Nazareth, Israel. And uh, there we participated in a service, a worship service with them, in fact, a communion service. We had several of our deacons with us, and uh, we shared in the sharing of the elements with some of our deacons and some of their deacons, and we pastored together in that great service. It was just a phenomenal time, and we had such a, such a, 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 a blessed time with the Lord at that particular uh, event. So I want you to know that Pastor Salim is an Arab in a Muslim town called Nazareth in a Jewish country who loves the Lord Jesus Christ and is seeking to reach people for the gospel. Now he serves in a very famous city, uh, I think you've heard of it, and uh, it is the city of our Lord, but in a place of complex politics and prejudices. And I thought uh, we could learn something about reaching people who are blinded by lies from this dear brother. So. I, I ask you to give him a great Calvary welcome as we introduce Pastor Salim Shalash to Calvary Baptist Church. Sabah al-khair. Good morning. Ismail Assis Salim Shalash. Ismail Assis Salim Shalash. My name is Salim Shalash. Ana min Madinat al-Masri. I am from Nazareth. أنا ولدت وتربيت في مدينة الناصري مدينة شخص الرب يسوع المسيح. I was born and grew up in the city of our Lord Jesus Christ. أنا سعيد إن أكون بناتكم اليوم في هذا المؤتمر. And I am happy to be with you at this conference. أهلاً وسهلاً في ألكس سليم شلاش. We are welcoming Pastor Salim with us. Shokran Li Hodorak. Thank you for coming to share in this conference. You can speak English? I will try. Oh, I'll leave it to you then. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Amen. You know, today I recognized why Canadian people are youngest than us. Do you know why? Because God keeps you frozen for a long period. 
I can't understand how you can suffer this cold. And they told me it's just not winter. So thanks to God that I'm leaving next week. <laughs> okay, I will introduce myself in 10 or 15 minutes, and it's going to be miracle if I success. And after that, we're going to preach the word of God. My name is Salim. I born and I grew in Nazareth, hometown of our Lord Jesus Christ. I born in a Catholic family, and my father was so religious, so he wanted me to become a priest, Catholic priest. And the best way is to do, to put me inside the temple to serve with the priests. For five years, I was serving in the church, and even I have the clothes of the priests. After five years, I said, if this is God, I don't want him. I left the church. I lived my own life. I study in the Hebrew University as travel agent. I continue my studies as a hotel manager in Holiday Inn School. I was a policeman for four years until the 6th of August, 94. On this day, something happened, changed all my life upside down. I lost one of my friends. She passed away in accident. A big truck of iron fall on her small car and we can't get her out, and the fire started in her car, and she was burned alive. On this moment, a lot of questions come to my mind. What is after death? Where I'm going? She's just 19 years old. Is there a life after death? And I was asking all these questions. I heard a voice speaking to me, say, Salim, someone died, new one will born. I didn't understand these words because I didn't understand what it meant to born again. But I said, if this is you, Lord, show me the way. And for my first time, I have my own Bible because in the Catholic Church, I'm not allowed to read the gospel because I'm not holy enough. And for all these years, I was just hearing the gospels. I never read it, never enjoy it. So I was so thirsty for the Word of God. I was reading just the Old Testament, sorry, just the New Testament, because they teach me that the Old Testament, it's a rubbish book, doesn't belong to us. It's for the Jews, the infidel Jews. And I grow with a hatred for the Jews. I grow with a hatred for the Old Testament because they told me that it's just history for the Jews. So I was reading the New Testament all the time. And I started to study theology. And I started studying my BA theology in Bethlehem Bible College. I finished my baccalaureate there. And God put my heart in my heart that you need to continue studies. So I involved with the ICB, Israeli College of the Bible, in Netanya, start to study my master first master. And when I arrived there, I was shocked because when I get into my first lesson, I saw 12 Arab pastors and 12 Jewish pastors. At the beginning, I thought, oh, come on, they bring us rabbis to teach us? What's happening here? I didn't understand that there is a Jew believe in Jesus, and they call them Messianic. For one year, we become friends. We study together, we eat together, we lived as a family together, and understand that there is something wrong in my life 
with hating this nation or keeping far from the Old Testament. When I finished my first master, God put in my heart to continue my second master. And it was in biblical Hebrew and in Greek language, both of them. And really, as you know, we have two mother languages. We, ha we have the Arabic language. I am Arab, but I'm not a Muslim that's converted to Christian. We are Christian. We are basically Christian. We are Assyrian, if you have heard about them. We are basically Christian, and if you read your Bible, you will find in Act 2 that it's mentioned that there were Arab in Jerusalem worshiping God. And it was 600 years before Islam came. So basically, we are Christians, and we have two other languages, Arabic and Hebrew. But when I start to study biblical Hebrew, I found myself that's know nothing about Hebrew because it's much more complicated. But when I start to study biblical Hebrew, God opened my eyes, and I fall in love with the Old Testament. Reading, I was reading from Genesis to Malachi, and I found Jesus in every book, in every chapter, in every verse, in every word in the Old Testament. And from that day on, God changed my heart. Today, traveling all over the world, teaching Jesus in the Old Testament. Because if we want to teach, really I can stay here for three days continuous, teaching you about Jesus in the Old Testament. I fall in love in the Old Testament and become one of my favorite books. So what's happened to me? Why, why that happened to me? You know, God, when he focuses on someone, he never chooses the perfect, he chooses the willings. And it's totally different. And really, I, I didn't plan to be a pastor or to have a church because I know the suffering of the pastors. But God's ways is different from ours. By the way, I forgot to mention that I'm married to one wife. And it's enough. <laughs> I have two children. Sliman is with the youth now. He's 19 years old. And Nardine, she's 13 years old. And she's the boss in our house. She controls everything. And um, my wife, she worked for three days in the first Arabic radio station in Israel that confirmed from the Israeli government for all the Middle East. So they can reach Iraq, Syria, Egypt, all these countries through this radio. God put in my heart to share the gospel for both Arab and Jews. And when we start our church in 2009, we start with seven people. Today, we are 110, and we had new branch started in Haifa recently. We start new branch in Haifa, and it's growing by the grace of God. The church focused in a lot of outreach projects. I believe that God created the church to make disciples. The service is not inside the walls of the church. The service is outside of the walls of the church. Many pastors would like to have this small aquarium with some fish and enjoy it, but I feel that God is calling us to go out and to reach people outside of the walls of the church. The church creates disciples to be strong, to share the word of God outside the walls of the church. And now we are in the middle between 
You know, Nazareth elite, it's the upper Nazareth that's it's mixed between Jews and Christians and Nazareth that's Nazareth today is 81,000 inhabitants and we are talking about 75% a Muslim and 25% Christian and when I say Christian 25% I mean it's mixed between Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant, Baptist, all these denominations and if we are talking about how percent how many percent believer we are talking about three percent in Nazareth so we are trying you know people got boring from preaching and teaching and philosophy and you know talking about love they want to see and through your action people can see Jesus uh, th that's it, the point in our church how can they see Jesus in your life and really I was focusing a lot with the project, humanitarian projects, and in our church we have 10 projects. I will not mention all, but I will mention some of, mention some of them. Uh, we prepare 140 food packages twice in a year for poor families, and we share with these families. We go to visit them, and we share these food packages. We are not, it's not easy in Israel to share the Word of God because you are not allowed to share if they don't ask you. It's important to understand. So we took one of these packages and we went to a, a Jewish widow woman and we gave her the food and she was shocked. She said, how can Arab bring food for Jews? We are enemies. I said, we are not. We are brothers. And she, she said, how could be? And then God put in my heart to read from Isaiah 53, from uh, Psalms 22 about your Messiah, about your Jesus. And she was shocked. We are talking about the same God. For four hours we were talking about Jesus. And she was convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. And she gave her life to Jesus. She accepted him as a savior for all her life. That's the way that we can reach both Arab and Jews. We are living in historical days if you don't know. And this church... We call it home of Jesus the King because we believe that Jesus had home in the past in Nazareth. He still and he will until he come back again. This is our vision. And I believe that, you know, we need to be like light in the end of the days. Why? Because we are in Israel and the nation who live in Israel is the Jewish people. And I will share with you how God changed my heart to love this nation instead of hating them. All my life I grow with hatred for the Jews. And it was through what I'm going to preach this morning from Luke 15. And God created love inside my heart to this nation, to this people. Why? Because the Bible teaches us that God loved this people also. And he died for them. And if you read your book, the Bible in Romans 9, 10, and 11, that's what I focus in in my doctoral thesis. How does the Arab-Israeli conflict influence on the theology of Israel? And if we believe that God replaced the church instead of the Jews, we are wrong. Because the Bible teaches us that God is bringing the family back again. 
He's gathering the family once again. And in their disobeying, in Romans 11, we have the grace. Many is calling in these days around the world to boycott Israel. Come on. Really you want to boycott Israel? I'm not here to defend Israel, but I'm telling you the truth. That we as Arab Christians, the only reason that we are still exist, it's because we are protected from the Israeli government. If not, you will not find one Christian in the Middle East, even in Israel. Look around you. You want to boycott Israel? Start with your Bible. Because your Bible was written by Jew, if you don't know that. Disciples of Jesus, they are Jew. Jesus himself is Jew. You want to boycott Israel? To boycott Israel is not just Starbucks coffee. I was in a conference, by the way, in, in uh, Europe. It was Israelite, and I was preaching. And really, someone stand in the middle, and he was shouting to boycott Israel. And I said, God, help me, because it's very complicated, and it's a big conference, talking about thousands. And I said, really, you want to boycott Israel? Okay, I agree with you. First of all, I want you to take your jeans out. Take it out, because jeans was discovered by a guy called Levi's, and he's Jew. <laughs> and when you go home, don't forget to throw your remote control, because your remote control was discovered by Jew. And when you go to hospital, ask them not to use the laser, because laser was discovered by Jew. And if you have a pacemaker, take it out and died, because it was discovered by Jew. When God bless someone, he never cares again. And this nation is so blessed. Today, I don't know if you have heard, today a doctor, Jewish doctor, he found a medicine for the Parkinson. And they found a new medicine that when you arrive to the age of 40, you start to take it and you keep distant from Alzheimer. They are working for the good for humanity. We are living in good condition in Israel. We have more rights than obligation. And what you hear in the media, it's all lies. I'm not Jewish that defends my country. I'm Arab, living there. I can't challenge you when you come to visit us. We will go to the street and you will ask 10 people if one of them agree to give the Israeli passport and have another passport, all the cost of your trip is going to be in my bill. What you hear in the media, it's just a lies. Because many people are living and gathering a lot of money from this conflict. So I ask God, what do you want from me, Lord? Why, why am I there? Why, am, why, the, why you put me in this church? Say to me, I want you to be light for both Arab and Jews, because I'm bringing my family back. And if you open your Bible so quickly, in Luke 15, I don't want to read the text, you will read it after. Luke 15, 28 to 32. Who knows this story? Raise your hands. 
Who have read this story before? Raise your hands. Okay. You know, many preach about the lost son. And many preach about the father. And if I want to ask you this morning, which son you will choose as your son if God asks you to choose one of these sons? And that's what God asked me when I start to read this text. And for sure I said, God, for sure I will choose the eldest son because he stayed with his father. He served his, with his father. He didn't took his money. And he was much, much better than the last one. And God said to me, do you know who's the eldest son? I said, no, God, I don't know. But you can show me if you want. And he was speaking to me very directly, and he said, the eldest son is the church today. I am the father. The lost son is the Jewish people. They will be back, and I will be waiting for them, if you agree or not. It's not your decision. It's my decision. I'm waiting for them. He said, yeah, that you are right, Lord, but you know that the eldest son is much, much better than the lost one. He stayed to serve you. And suddenly the Holy Spirit opened my eyes and I found seven sins that I was shocked that the eldest son was worse than the lost one. We will start passing on this so quickly. You know, this, this verses from 28 till the end. The, the eldest son got angry, no problem with that. I'm not talking about his anger, but look what he's saying to his father. He's saying to his father, I am serving you in many years. And if you look, it's, you know, many translations, but I'm just make it easier. I am serving you. Like this, the first thing that he's doing, this eldest son is telling his father, I am doing favor that I am serving you. And the church today, we think that we are doing favor for God if we serve him. And that's totally wrong. Because it's honor and privilege to us that we are serving the king of the king and the lord of the lords. We are not making service for God that we are serving in his house. The son thought that if he serves his father, he's doing favor for his father. No. It's honor that you are serving the king of the kings. The covenant with Abraham, it doesn't depend on who Abraham is. It depends on who God is. The son, he thinks that he's doing favor for God, that he's working with him. You know, you need to understand that sometimes we feel the same, that we are proud that we are serving God. Secondly, I am serve you a couple of years. Do you know who count the years in the Old Testament? Who count the years in the Old Testament? The slave. Because the slave worked for six years, and one year he got free. So this son is living as a slave in his father's house. I am serving you a couple of years. He's counting the years of serving his father. You know why? Because he don't know his identity as his son. 
And many of us, many believers, we don't know our identity in Christ. We have no secure. And that's really get us with a lot of problems. We need to understand who we are. And some of us ask who we are. The Bible said that we are salt and light. We are city on a hill. We are the fruits of the empty tomb. We are priests and disciples, prophetic and not pathetic. We are chosen. We belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are disciples, witnesses, and Jesus Christ followers. If you don't know who you are, you will accept what the devil is telling you who you are. Or you will be controlled by people. Many of us controlled by people, by the way. You know, if you receive a phone call in the morning from someone and he speaks positive about you, your day is very special. But if he speaks negative about you, you, your day will be bad. You know, these things, I say to God, I will not accept it anymore. My life is not controlled by people. It's controlled by you, God. How many of you, when you meet some people, you said, oh, not today, please. And you prefer not to meet these people because you are afraid that they will control and your life and they will bring a negative feelings to you. You know, even the cartoon that we see. How, how many of you, you know, have seen Winnie the Pooh? Do you know this program? I, I watch it. It's okay. Don't worry. Okay? <laughs> it's not just a cartoon. It's, it's something that's going to teach us about personalities. Do you know E.R.? The donkey, you know, we have a lot of ERs around us. <laughs> oh, this is my birthday, no one care. <laughs> These people, if you meet them, they control you with their negative feelings because, you know, they, are, they, they just bring you, oh, our washing machine is destroyed today. Oh, our golden fish died today. And with all these things bring you a negative feelings because you don't know who you are. You will be controlled by these people. Ignore negative words from the devil and understand who you are. You need to understand who you are. When you understand who you are, you will know your aim, who you are following. Sometimes we need to pass through in order to get to. Sometimes we need to pass through in order to get to. Three, he continued to say, I never disobey your commands or your orders. You know, this spiritual proudness. I'm perfect. No one is perfect. All of us do mistakes. And this, you know, this is the first sin that the devil fall in. Proudness. You know what is the problem with the proudness? It's a sickness that's the one that he's sick with it. He don't understand that he's sick and he don't need treatment. This is the problem with this sickness of proudness. I am the best. If we don't humble ourselves, we will not be used by God. Because God chose the humble people. God chose people that they humble themselves and they come to the Lord because they need the Lord. Sometimes our proudness 
make us fail. Spiritual proudness is a sin. The son said to his father, I never disobey your commands. I'm much better than your son. That's called proudness. You know, one, one of the teachers, she took her pupils for a trip. And she showed them the mountains. And she said, pupils, do you see the mountains? And they answered, yes, ma'am. She said, that means the mountains exist. She took them to the river. And she said, pupils, do you see the river? And all of them answered, yes, ma'am. And she said, that means the river exists. And she stands on the top and she said, pupils, do you see God? And all the pupils were looking around and they said, no, ma'am. She said, that means God does not exist. One believer, pupil, she was 10 years old. She stands beside the hair teacher and she said, can I ask the pupil a question? And the, the, yeah, you know, the teacher said, yes, you can. This you know, girl, she said, pupils, do you see the brain of our teacher? <laughs> and they said, no, we don't see it. And she said, that means she don't have brain, don't believe her. <laughs> what I mean, when we humble ourselves, when we obey God, God will bless us and he will help us to go through all the challenges. I want to ask you, how many of you remember the story of Peter when Jesus was using his boat to teach and suddenly he asked Peter to go fishing in the deep water? All of us know this story. Did Peter obey? Yes or no? I can't hear, sorry. Yes? Wrong. He did not. Because if you read the Greek text, Jesus asked Peter, Jesus asked Peter, through the nets, plural, not one, all your nets, Peter. But Peter said, according to your word, I will throw the net just to satisfy you, Lord. But we can see that the expectation of Jesus, it wasn't the expectation of Peter. Peter didn't expect any kind of fish. But we can see that Jesus asked for all the nets. That was the reason that they called the other boat. And the Bible teaches us that the two boats was filled with fish. What is your expectation from the Lord? Few? Or you trust the Lord for everything? I believe, Pastor, that God will provide you that $25,000. And he can bring it through one man if he wants. Our next vision in our church, we are renting a place today. But when, when I bring the vision, you know, to the, to the church, you know, we are going to buy a land in Nazareth. And that's crazy because we, it's not easy to have a land. To build our church with four floors. And I was sharing this with, you know, a lot of, you know, a, a power with the church. And they said, do you know how much it costs, Pastor? said, yes, I know it's cost 2 million euro. And they say, what? You say it easily? I said, if people can pay 20, 222 million euro for a football player, I think God can provide 2 millions for his house. <laughs> Come on. We need to trust God and to follow him. Four, he continued to say it. 
Yet you never gave me a young God. He living in poorness. This son living in poorness. He, uh, he said to his father, you didn't give me even a goat. You know, many of us in the church, sorry to say it, we are living in poorness. And poorness is not money. Today, today we can say that we have gold and we have silver. But my question is, does we have the authority to say to sick people in the name of Jesus, rise up? We lose this authority. You know, did Jesus was a poor? Yes or no? Did Jesus was a poor in his life? Yes or no? Yes or no? Okay, split. And, uh, <laughs> and, and the, the answer is no, he wasn't. Yeah? When Peter came to Jesus and said to him, Jesus, you know, the tax collectors came and they... <laughs> They want you to pay the tax. He said, okay, go. I have a count in every fish in the Lake of Galilee. Take the first one and pay for them. And he said to his disciples, when I was with you, does anyone of you needed anything? They said, no. He feed 20,000 person from five breads and two fish. You said, Pastor, you're wrong. Five. No, it's not five. Five, not include the women and the children. If we take one woman and two children, we are talking about 20,000. We can see that God provides all the needs if we trust Him. He wasn't poor, but you know, He became poor on the cross, so we become rich by having this authority in the name of Jesus. We have name that's above all the other names. You say what I have. Let me, let me share with you a little so quickly what you have. John 10.10. 10. The Bible said that you have life and life indeed. John 8.32. You have the freedom. You have the truth. And the truth you set you free. Luke 10.19. You have the power. I've given the authority. And you, if you go to John 14. You have peace. That's a lot of people searching for this peace. And they don't have it. And you have a name. That's above all the other names. It's the name of your savior. Jesus Christ. You know many people in our church. They said to me, Pastor, why all your church is shouting and clapping hands and, and you know all these things when you just mentioned the name of Jesus? Do you know why? I will tell you the secret. Because there is still power in the name of Jesus. You can talk about everyone. You can talk about all the prophets. But when you mention the name of Jesus, all the hell kingdom will raise up. Come on, you need to understand that you are not poor. You have peace. You have the name of all, the, you know, above all the other names. Five, so quickly. He said, so I could celebrate. And in other translations said, to be happy with my friends. <laughs> if he's not happy in his father's house, that means he is sad. How many of us believers... We live in sadness in our father's house. How many of us? Really, the Bible teaches us the opposite. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. And you know, one of my papers that I wrote, 
on my doctoral thesis. It was from Deuteronomy 32 and verse 43 that was repeated in Romans 15 and verse 10. It says like this, Rejoice, O nation, with his people. What God meant with that, in the end of the days, God is bringing his family back again. And we will rejoice. And from the unexpected place, Israel, that's, you know, no one expected for a revival, the revival will start. You need to understand what God is doing in the end of the days. You need to understand God is in control. And what's happening in Israel, God is bringing the family together. So I could say, he's not happy, he's in sadness. Six, so quickly, but when this son of yours, but when this son of yours, he forgot even to say, my brother. <laughs> you know how many of us do the same? You know our professional to judge people. How many of you we're gathering together, and when you start to speak negative about someone, all of them share. But if you speak positive about someone, no one share. All of them silent. We programmed in a way that's to ignore and to judge. You know, this son, he says that he's not my brother anymore. He's your son, but he's not my brother. They are our brothers. And if you really forget everything that I shared this morning, just remember Matthew 28. The Bible says, go to all nations. Aren't they nation? Yes, they are. And they are priority for God. To bring them back. He calling his brother your son. How many of us behave the same way? The last thing, so quickly, seven, he, in verse 30, he started to judge his brother. That he used all your money for adultery. So he's judging and judging. And you know, to judge, that means you are taking the place of God. And you say to God, okay, just move a little. I'm taking control. I'm taking your place. I'm taking your authority to judge people. And that's called the sin. We need to understand that this son didn't behave in a nice way to his brother. How we behave in these days to our brothers and sisters. We share the gospel for Muslims, share the gospels for Jews, for all nations. Why? Because this is the mission that Jesus gave us. And we need to be light. How many of us behave in wrong way and we start to judge people instead of love them? When you, when, you, when you judge people, you will not have time to love them. And I want you to look to this story when you go home. You need to understand that this story ended open. The Bible doesn't mention if this eldest son get in to celebrate with his brother or he stayed out. I said, God, what do you want to tell me? He said, Salim, it's your decision. Do you want to be part of the family or you want to stay out? 
It's your choice. Bless you. In Arab culture, when someone sneezes, that means confirmation for my speech. <laughs> Guys, I want to tell you that if really you want to know the truth, the truth is in our Bible. Don't listen to the media, all of them liars. You need to understand that God is doing great things in the end of the days. God used amazing things in the end of the days. That's with unexpected things that you didn't think about it. Because God's ways is different from ours. This son, he lost the celebration with his family. I was weeping that night. Say, Lord, forgive me for my hatred for this nation. Forgive me for not loving them. And from that day on, I'm working to win every Jew to, to Christ. And if you don't know, today in Israel, there is 30,000 Messianic believers. What that mean? I'm finishing with this point. We, we have two hands for the end of the days. Matthew 24 it's talking about all the signs that Jesus gave and sharing the Bible, sharing the gospel all over the world. That's what we are doing. We have heard from the missionaries what God is doing and all over. That's the first hand. But there is another hand. Jesus said while he was leaving the earth to heaven, he said, I will not be back until you say, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. That means blessed who come in the name of the Lord. And this voice we start to hear it now. Maybe it's low because we are talking about 30,000. But this voice is raising up. And we are ready. Because we believe that we are living in historical days. I just want to tell you, God is good. And God wants to do a lot of things through you. Don't wait that you will be controlled by people. Don't, don't accept negative words to your, wall, to your life. Just ask the Lord, tell him, what do you want me to be? I'm following you. I want to be part of this family. I will not behave the same way. I want to love and to share what you did for me. Salvation for all over the world, for everyone who accepts the Lord Jesus as Savior. God bless you and keep you. You cannot love and care for people from a distance. You really have to go. That's why the Lord gave us the commission, go and make disciples of all the nations. I can tell you that I learned through God's prompting to say yes to his mission, to go to the world when I was asked. And it is there that my heart has been developed and grown into love and care for the nations. If you stay at home and listen to the media, <clears throat> you will grow to despise the nations of the world. But when you go and minister to them, <clears throat> excuse me, your heart expands and you grow to love them. That has been my experience. If you stay at home 
and you don't witness, you don't go and minister, you become the older son. You become hard and angry and selfish. And so it is my vision and the vision of our leadership that all of us would find in our hearts a willingness to say, Lord, I will go. It may be in this city. It may be in it somewhere in this country. It may be somewhere around the world, but we are called to go. And when we go, our heart softens. We love and we care for people who we formerly thought were our enemies. And we realize that these are people that Jesus loves and died for. And it's in those intersections that we grow to love the nations. Jesus has called us to go to the nations, love the nations in Jesus' name. Thank you, Pastor Celine, for reminding us of this. It was in sessions like being with him that I realized Syrians are our friends. The Lebanese are our friends. The Egyptians are our friends. The Jordanians are our friends. The Turkish are our friends. The Iranians are our friends. The Iraqis are our friends. The Israelis are our friends because they are people God has died for, Christ has died for. And when you see them, your heart grows and expands. So beloved, don't just study the nations. Go to them and tell them of Jesus. Our Father and our God, we thank you so much for your great love for us. We know, O oh Lord, that the Great Commission is to go to the nations. Because it is in going that our heart expands to love the people you love, to care for the lost, to want those in other places to know about our Jesus too. Because you are their Jesus. So, O oh Lord, thank you for this reminder this morning. We don't want to be the older son. God forbid that we would be the older son. May we truly be those who come before you with contrite hearts, thankful for your amazing grace to our lives, so thankful that we take the message to others and allow you to expand our heart for the gospel. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.